Hey, potential podcast listeners. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. And at any time, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com potential. That's BetterHelp.com potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with better help. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum, this is The Potential Podcast. Now for a Jim Carrey quote off. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. I came to confess. I was the second gunman on the grassy knoll. So you're telling me there's a chance. Chitty! He's good. With my help, he could be the best. There's someone on the way. Some thing. Horm! Kind of hot in these rhinos. Not so fast, Sweeney Toad. Lehu, sir. Am I just eating because I'm bored? It's party time! P-A-R-T-Y, because I gotta! I'm kicking my ass, do you mind? B-E-A-U-T-O-L. Austria. Well then, good day, mate. Let's put another strip on the barbie. Like a glove. Uh, children are strange and foreign to me. I never really was one. I do know they are an important part of the ecosystem. Do not go in there. Woo! I'm in Psychoville and Finkel's the mayor. Ooh, somebody stop me. And you must be the Monopoly guy. Hey, thanks for the free parking. Alrighty then. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? I'm smoking. Uh, You're probably all wondering why we're sounding like that. Well, that's because today is a very special episode. It's an inaugural episode. We thought 
to start off with something we are both passionate about is the one, the only, Mr. Jim or James Eugene Carey. That's right, Jim Carey. So today's episode is, according to Jim, it's our ode to Jim Carey, one of our favorite comedic actors of all time. Before we get into that, just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us on the Potential Podcast. This is our first episode, and uh, it's been an exciting time getting this thing together. Uh, We're dealing right now with a lot of working from home because of the whole coronavirus and social distancing, so um been staying safe uh you just started working taylor your your job is now having you work from home how's that been going uh it's been a lot different than i'm used to i think um i'm thankfully i'm, I'm blessed that one of uh, one of the two of the duo uh, has has a job i'm happy to have a job as a lot of people like yourself include and other people who are in the service and entertainment industry aren't so lucky so i'm just happy to have something to do so it's kind of like a call center i'm kind of from home and calling up people doing surveys and stuff so it's not bad i'm just happy to have something to keep me productive and busy and keep the money flowing um but like yeah as you said this is also very uh not a typical podcast as we are going to be on different we're in different areas and even if the uh, this wasn't happening we would probably be in different areas anyway so we are actually on two opposite ends as far as you could be in the united states i'm over here in uh, pennsylvania pittsburgh area and i'm in california southern california i'm sure at yeah. some point we will have some fun episodes where we get to record together uh, that's the plan um in the future but for now we're keeping our social distancing and doing what we need to do um but yeah, it's been it's been an interesting time. I mean, I've now uh, I've been uh, at home in California with my parents. It'll be coming up on four weeks come uh, Thursday. Uh, Same today, here. today, uh, this is uh, April fourteenth. We're about mid April here, so yeah, coming up about four weeks now that I've uh, been home, and um, it is an interesting time. You just, you have to keep yourself busy mentally. Of course, there's been a lot of these posts going out on social media of how this is the time to use this time because you have all this free time. Now, we actually had this idea for this podcast before all this stuff went down, but a couple weeks naturally, this was a good time to start this podcast. But yeah, it's been fun. It kind of it's it's been a weird uh, thing of almost finding a routine of typically waking up around the same time every day, making some breakfast, having coffee walking the dog, working on the laptop for a bit, maybe take some time for myself, go play some video games, you know, enjoy a little bit of the downtime. And then it's it's just like there's been kind of this routine. It's been really interesting that before all this, I mean, I still had somewhat of a routine, but it was so much more sporadic, especially as I was doing shows and working random jobs in New York. But, and I uh, was uh, myself, yeah, I was traveling a different areas. I was in a different area every month. Um, so I was kind of, I did have a routine, a schedule I was getting used to. Also, I was away from home. I think you and I can agree me a little bit more. So I'm stuck here and I say it with the most, uh, positive spin as I can oh, say. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I'm stuck here with the parents and all, uh, siblings and dogs. So it's, it's definitely different for us to get used to being at home so long with our parents and family. Yeah. So um, it's a weird, it's, it's a, you know, it's a smart financial move, uh, but yeah. uh, it comes with its uh, uh, quirks, I guess you could say. Um, as I'm sure many uh, friends and family out there are experiencing uh, having to be kind of stuck at home. But 
Before we get into our topic today, just reminding people that we hope everyone's staying safe, taking their precautions, uh, washing your hands, keeping your distance when you're out about, wearing your masks. Yep. And uh, yeah, just doing your part. The best thing you can do is stay home as much as possible and uh, to keep yourself busy as best you can, because the best thing you can do for your health is your mental health Mm -hmm. uh, more so. So keep, uh, and that's why, and again, this is a great thing because we're hopefully during this time, you can be entertained by us talking uh, to each other, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris, just keep doing your part by staying home, staying safe. That's Mm -hmm. all you can do. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to get to our main topic today. We're so excited. So one of the first things that me and Taylor bonded on when we first became friends, yeah, about seven years ago, coming up in probably early May. Yeah, we loved quoting movies. We got to know quickly that we were movie fans, and we were quoters. And by quoters, I mean people that know movies so well they wrote, they memorize the lines and they can quote them. Yeah, we got a full conversations just in movie quotes. On movie which quotes. We, may, we may we may try that one day. But yeah. it was basically like if people looked at us, be like, "What are they talking about?" Oh, they're quoting movies. Ah, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, and I think that was the funniest thing because I I think it was just, it it was like one line or two that we started. It wasn't even like we sat down and just talked about stuff. We just would quote stuff. And all of a sudden we just looked at each other like, oh my gosh, you're a fan as well. And I think, and a lot of us, because both of us grew up around the same time. Uh, Chris, you are... Uh, for the listeners, we're dating. We're we're dating ourselves right now. I'm 29, going to be 30 soon, and you are currently 31. Uh, thir- and I'll, 31. Be, I'll be 32 in August. So yeah, so we both grew up around uh, the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and that was when we were born. And our childhood is the 90s. And who was the biggest star to come out of the 90s was Jim Carrey. And I think he kind of really defined a lot of who we are and like in our, in our sense of humor and stuff. And what, yeah, I think I, yeah. that was my emulation is like Jim Carrey was just, if you saw me as like my energy was just, I was always trying to match him. I was just trying to, I wanted to be Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we would watch movies uh, on the ship. Uh, uh, we met on a cruise ship and we we're working. And so we watched movies and we quickly got hooked on watching Ace Ventura uh, one and two again with, uh, good friend of ours matt cross shout out to you yep, um who's a great cross. uh tech guy who works backstage for the theater and um we would just quote jim all the time and that was an early thing that became a joke thing for the years since we still to this day send each other memes and gifts and pictures and quote lines purely from ace ventura but we've also yeah. quoted many other famous comedic actors in movies so we thought it'd be fun for our first ever episode to talk about Jim Carrey. So we're going to go through a kind of list of some of our favorite roles, some of our favorite movies, some honorable mentions, some questionable movies. I mean, even every great actor out there has some of those projects that are kind of a more of a miss than a hit. And just talk about uh, why we love him so much and what he's done for not only the genre of comedy, but for a kind of acting period and for influencing young guys such as ourselves who took to comedy, took to movies, um, bit of goofy guys, if you will, uh, the physical humor. So yeah, we're really excited. So the first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to go off of each other and we've wrote down what it's in our opinion, our favorite five roles that 
Jim has played. So this is not specifically one movie. I mean, he's played some characters more than once. Um, yes, not many. Not many. Not many. Um, yeah. But this is more purely what what is our top five favorite roles that Jim has played. So I'm going to start you off, Taylor. Going off a name, I'm pretty sure we're going to have – we will probably be having the same number one. Well, choice, is it – But does this have to be in order ranked or just, just listing them? Because, I mean, it's kind of hard to rank. Like, This is uh, true. Do you want to just – I, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna go off of what I wrote and you do. The I'm same. just yeah I, yeah cool. So so I'll start off. So mine was this is my top favorite roles of his. So I'm just going off either the role or the movie character he played. Uh, so I started off because this is just my childhood. The first movie I ever saw, uh, Ace Ventura. First of all, he had done he had you know two roles of that and it was kind of made his career. That was the role that he defined uh, for generations. Ace Ventura was my one of mine. I also had Stanley Ipkiss, The Mask. Uh, just because he was doing double duty, and it was uh, also one of his f- his first um, uh, romantic comedy roles, where he was kind of you know playing you know the romantic lead, uh, Fletcher Reed, liar liar. I thought this was great because it. Are we are we telling why we let, why we picked it? Yeah, yeah. Just go, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was going there. Um, so I thought this was great because it, it it encapsulated so much of what made Jim Carrey great: his physical comedy, his his improv. His timing. Also, he had a serious part in this film, and it was like it's touching for me because I both, you know, we, um, uh, I think, you know, fathers, father figures are a huge part of our lives and and, and anyone's life, and it was like he's playing this dad that, you know, that uh, wanted to be a good dad, but he he struggled to do that because of balancing life and stuff, and it was just such a, it was almost kind of, it was a sad sad role at times. I was like, you know, it was a touching role, so that's why I really liked that. And I remember that was uh, one of the first movies, PG thirteen, that my mom took me to. That she took me out of the theater because uh, it was a little inappropriate, and I was repeating lines I probably shouldn't have. So we all had those moments. Um, also, the uh, my next one was role of Truman, uh, the role of Truman from the Truman Show, because this was one of his first fully fully formed serious roles that I think that really showed he was how well-rounded he was and, and how well-rounded he is to this day. So that was, and I just like the concept because it's, if you watch that movie now, it's still very fitting to the society we're in now where everyone's, you know, their whole lives are being unfolded. It's crazy to think the Truman show as ahead of his time. And now we literally live in a world where everyone wants to be filmed. We have cameras on people all the time. We have reality shows are so big and, people on social media constantly posting about their life. And it is this weird thing of you want to be watched, but not always. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, so, it's a kind of, yeah. funny enough. We matched. Of, of I missed the, one. Of the five roles one. you, uh, Oh, even got, Oh, oh. yeah. Four. Oh. four. <laughs> number five, but we'll match on this one. Yeah. And number five, my number five was Lloyd Christmas. Yeah, so, uh, so don't doubt yourself. <laughs> so, uh, the only one that I differed on was I did not put uh, I did not put his character from The Mask. I put The Grinch. Okay. Um, okay. To this, so we matched. I had Ace Ventura, The Grinch, Lloyd Christmas, Truman, Burbank, and then Fletcher Reed. So yes. uh, obviously you can tell that we are very similar in taste. Uh, Ace Ventura to me will always be his number one role. It's just such a brilliant character. And I love that he talks about how he based it off a of bird. That was kind of the essence of what the well, everything from the hair, yeah. the hair, the watch, and yeah, just you know, if if you were to show someone a movie to be like, who is Jim Carrey? I've never seen a Jim Carrey movie. You would show Ace Ventura, Bet Detective, and it would just get the essence of 
the type of dialogue he can do, the impressions, the physical humor. Um, and then, yeah, it's like Lloyd Christmas, Dumb and Dumber, such brilliant writing. And, uh, of course, with Jeff Daniels, who we luckily got to meet. We went yes. um, last year to see To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. And so we incredible. got to uh, meet him afterwards, get a quick uh, autograph, and he was so kind and so humble. So so down to earth. It's like, yeah, you did a great job. He's like, yeah, we did all right. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, we did okay. Um, <laughs> Fletcher Reed, Liar Liar to me is such a great movie. It is true. It, it It's a similar, there's a similar essence to that movie to what Robin Williams goes through in Mrs. Doubtfire. You're, yes. You're, you're watching all this hysteria and hilarious moments because he can't lie. So, of course, you're seeing all the best of what Jimmy Carrey can do, but you're still seeing a father that's broken and he's trying to fight for his child, but he can't. And that was a, something that was a similar theme in Mrs. Doubtfire, why it's such a endearing movies that people think it's such a funny concept but at the same time you're watching a true movie about divorce i think well, it was you, yeah i never thought of that but if you if you do take out the comedy elements mm -hmm. there it's a drama it's a it's a serious yeah. movie it's a drama um and yeah and we talked about truman show i mean it is there was a turn at one point where i think i think jim knew that he wanted to try something out of out of his comfort zone and he wanted to do something that was still i mean there's still comedic elements in truman show but that was the kind of the start of him to go, I, I'm kind of wanting to do more than just the comedy goofball. I want to extend my, you know, my range here. And that was really his start of his a first kind of dramatic role. And then he would go into other such great movies that people have come to love. But for the fifth spot for me, if I'm looking at my true favorite roles, a lot of his movies are quotable when it comes to Christmas time. I don't think there is a movie more quotable than his version of The Grinch. Home Alone might come second um, in terms of like quotes, but I loved what they did with his uh, version of the Grinch. I think it was a great honor of the film, but still let him be himself and really take that character and make it, you know, Jim style. Well, and that was one of his. I was one of his first family friendly films. True, I think that because I mean, all of them were like PG thirteen. I mean, that was PG, but that was like the really. He didn't really have a lot of like because then after that he did Horton Hears a Who, mm -hmm. um, that too, but that was his first like kids friendly. And... Yeah, that was his first kid friendly that he could mm -hmm. do that balance for the kids. But uh, yeah, I I think also in the terms of quotable, I think that's like one of the movies you can quote and and it's a Christmas movie, but you can watch it not at Christmas and it's you can still... watch it anytime and it, yeah. <laughs> it is just you know it's it's so brilliant. It just I I love that movie. So that was our favorite five roles. Now we're going to do uh, an honorable mention. And I'm actually, yeah. I, I had one listed, but I'm actually going to, I'm going to do two. I'm going to break rules a little bit here and do two. I'm going to, I'm going to do okay, as well. Okay, great. Actually. I wrote well, that I'll down. Let you, I'll let you go first, Taylor. What are your two honorable mention roles? So this was, this is a challenge, but um, my honorable mention, these are two. I wrote Bruce Nolan mm -hmm. from Bruce Almighty. What I liked about this one was because it had been a while. This is 2003. Three, I believe. Yes. Was, yeah. And um, this was, had been a while since he had did kind of a romantic comedy because it really was a romantic comedy, but it also was different because it was so deep and a whole whole message, a spiritual message. And also it was the only film he's ever had that was banned in a country. Mm. It was banned in Egypt because they thought it was sacrilegious and it's like, ah, I, I, I get I get that. Yeah. And also it helped us get synonymous with if God was a person. And if it wasn't Elias Morissette, it would probably be Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Or at least his voice. Yeah. 
<laughs> I knew Andy Dufresne. Um, and so that was, I liked that because it was, it was very funny. And it was, I had not seen a gym. That was, I had seen that in theaters and I hadn't seen that comedy in a while. So I was just like, I still stuck with me. Like Bruce Almighty, Bruce Nolan's great. And a great film where um, that was kind of a, like a small introduction to Steve Carell. Um, that was, know, yeah, that we're, was, we're kind of getting well, closer to yeah. Anchorman and then, you know, eventually he'd get on the office and stuff like that. But, um, that still is a great bit of him, you know, and Jim Carrey's controlling him at, as the newscaster and he's, I and my tiny little nipples went to France. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Nobody ever, I think people forget about that was like Steve Krause kind of first starting to creep in into his big roles coming. Yeah. So. Uh, and then my second one, this is kind of, we're mixing up a little bit because I picked this one just because it was so different because this is kind of his first horror film. Mm. And I think all com- big comedy stars had one of those weird films. And the same thing with Robin Williams we're talking about with One Hour Photo was yeah, kind yeah. of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was Fingerling in oh, number 23. Okay. And okay. the why I, I didn't pick it so much for the role, like it was such a, anything out out of the ordinary but it was just because it was his it was such a creepy movie and he kind of pull, uh, pulled double duty on that because he has a he has amnesia and the movie he's kind of he's reading about a story that's about himself mm. and excuse me um that's why i was like oh this is and it took me a while i hadn't seen that until very recently a few years ago and i don't know why but i was like i was never and you, we've talked this that i've slowly and you've helped me delve into horror films yes. and that was kind of like it wasn't such a horror film but more of a good thriller like what is going on it didn't rate really well in the box office but i i really liked it i thought it was very different so those are my two honorable mentions very good well i i have two different honorable mentions so okay um my first one which is a role that is near and dear to my heart and i love the movie um, it then was picked up later to be a Netflix series, but I love Jim Carrey as Count Olaf in Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. This is yeah. a role where he really gets to ham it up as a villainous bad actor who then gets to play different roles throughout the film. Um, I think it was great casting. There was something really... Uh, that kind of classic villain, but still letting Jim kind of be Jim and... Just him getting hammered up as this, you know, he's he's purposely supposed to be a terrible actor. And so yeah. you see right through all his disguises. But of course, what was so funny was all the comedy of how none of the adults around him do. The kids see right through it, but no one else does. And I love the casting of like the acting troupe he had had. And I think they expanded that character really well. And I, I really had wished that the movie had done well enough for them to do sequels because... There was like 12, 13 books in that series. There was, there and, was 13 books. Like if, if, if I think I wish they if they had done it as a Netflix series, it yeah. been, if um, that was now, the time. Neil Patrick Harris did a great job in yes. the Netflix series. Um, but I am I partial. I'm partial to Jim Carrey's portrayal. Um, and my second honorable mention, this is a thing that I think some people are still torn about how these movies were made and what the style was. But looking back, there's still something about this film in particular that I've always liked. And that is him as Edward Nigma slash the Riddler in Batman Forever. Still to this day, <laughs> he is the only on-screen film Riddler. Yes. Um, in terms of like, you know, the newer movies. 
Uh, we are now going to get an updated new Riddler because Paul Dano has been cast for the upcoming Matt Reeves Batman film uh, with Robert Pattinson. So we're going to get a darker take on the Riddler. But there was something that Jim brought that was really fitting. And now, of course, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were purposely done heavy camp. It was kind of back to what the Adam West style was, but in the modern time of this was the mid-90s. Yeah. And I think it was great that he was cast as a Riddler because there was this essence of him. He he can play that kind of neurotic kind of I'm smarter than you, jealous yeah. type. But there's still that kind of, you know, these Batman villains are always kind of over the top big. And so he well, had, even he, in the line that yeah. was that over the top? I could never yeah. tell. And <laughs> like he had he, he had that kind of uh, he kind of had that fun like I think he had a lot of fun with that role. And so even though some people don't like those two films because it was kind of more campish and you know this yeah. is coming after the Keaton films with Tim Burton, I think there was yeah. something that really works with that character. And it's always been I've always enjoyed the Fal Kilmer Batman movie. Um, well, that was our childhood again. Like, I yeah. mean, that was all we knew. And I still, to this day, like, I, I, I remember growing up, I had the poster in yeah. my room. So, and because I mean, was, like, Batman, so Batman Forever came out in 95. So that was like summer of 95. So I would have been, uh, you know, coming up on seven, six, seven, eight years old. So in that time, I'm sure at some point I'd watch Michael Keaton's Batman, maybe on like a VHS tape, but Batman Forever would have been the first Batman that I really would have maybe even seen in theaters and yeah. remembered. Um, it would have been for me too. Cause uh, the first Batman uh, with Michael Keaton was 89. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even thought of yet. Uh, I was a, I was a nineties baby. I was 1990 June, but yeah, that was probably my first foray of Batman or first experience of a live action mm-hmm. Batman was Val Kilmer. And the fact that this is coming off our Jim Carrey high, if you will, of all these movies. And yeah. then seeing that, I was like, this is, but it, yeah, he was perfect for that. It's still like, to this day, we've talked about that. Imagine if he had a take on the, on the Joker. I still yeah, think to this I, day, it'd be really fun to see if he ever would get a chance to play a darker villain. And, and he's talked about this. And he's though. talked about this. There's even, I, I love this rumor. Uh, it's now it's Woody Harrelson. It's not Jim Carrey, but there was a rumor for a long time of, People wanted him to play Carnage at some point in, you know, a future Spider-Man movie, which now we're going to get Carnage and Venom 2, which is really exciting. Um, but I think after him doing the, the movie, the number 23 and kind of having the ratted hair and kind of going insane, I think people were like, there's something about him that he could pull off that kind of psychopath if they, if he had the chance and he's dealt in some darker yeah. roles, but um yeah, so that's definitely one of my uh, honorable mentions. It's, you know, not one of my favorite movies of all time, my favorite roles, but it's definitely a great one in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I like that. We got a little variety there, too, yeah. so it was good. Now, with every actor, there's going to come movies that people just don't like or not their favorite. And even Jim Carrey for, uh, and you know, sometimes it's not even the performance. Sometimes it's just a bad script. It's a bad directing. It's, you know, whatever. Yeah. But... I did want to, you know, not make it all just praise, you know, because everyone has to have, you know, criticism as well. So what is, if there is one role that is a least favorite, not not a favorite, what would that be, Taylor? For me, because um, when I think of movies that I really would watch again, it's definitely not one of them. 
at first it was one film and I'll say the other one, but I've come to change it because I watched it again and I accepted it for what it was. Um, at first it was cable guy, but then I went back to watch it a second time and I got what it, because it was different for me because it was more of a dark comedy, but I scrapped that cause that I really like that now. Uh, but for me, this is my personal opinion. I think it'd be me, myself and Irene. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause honestly, it's like, for for Jim Carrey to do a dual personality role, that's that's great. It's it's perfect. He's made for that. But the script was like, eh. And uh, I just I just didn't it didn't resonate with me. I didn't like it. Wasn't really funny the whole time. And it was a and it was a Farley Brothers film, wasn't it? Yes. So um, that's why I was surprised. But yeah, for me, like um, when I go back to looking at like Jim Carrey movies, I liked. I still don't. I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it's just the movie like Jim's doing his thing. But to me, it's not so much against him. It's just the, the movie in general. And, you know, there are those movies out there that you kind of watch once because it's a favorite actor, favorite actress, uh, yeah. a director. Uh, it's a sequel. It's a prequel. It's a style of movie you like. But there's often those movies you're like, I don't really need ever need to watch that again if I no. had the choice. And this is coming um, from two guys who could watch the same movie over yeah, and over. Yeah, who, I mean, we've probably seen Ace Ventura one and two, you know, 100, 200 times easily. Whereas yeah. it's like, I don't know if I watch that again. That's a good point. I've, I've actually never, I don't actually think I've ever seen Me, Myself, and Irene all the way through. I've this seen, probably was on TV or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's on TV. Yeah. I've seen huge chunks of it, but I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the whole way through. I sat down and watched it because I wanted to see mm-hmm. what it was about. And I was like, yeah, I... I think I recorded it on TV and I, I just wasn't a huge fan of that. That was one that, yeah, I could definitely leave if I had the opportunity again. I wouldn't see it. Well, my choice was, <laughs> it's v- supremely recent, but after seeing this movie in theaters, uh, I will say I was disappointed in the majority of his work. And I think it was, it might have been at fault of him or at fault of the director. But uh, my choice for least favorite, the least I can think of, was Robotnik and Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? I was so excited to see that movie. Being I used to play Sonic, and I, you know, I'm a video yeah. game person. We both are. So anytime a video game movie is going to be made to screen, I know You're there's going to be... We're going to all be critical. It's going to be geeky and going to be excited, but there's going to be criticism... And it's going to be, you know, critical because it is so much nostalgia and it's so much of your childhood. And I mean, I've played Sonic games since Sega Genesis. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the material and, like, you know, how the games work. And I was excited to watch the film. Overall, I enjoyed the film. I think the film did a decent job of being a live-action take on a video game. There's so many things that they could have done. And there's things that they're going to now have room to go with for future sequels. They're kind but of building the world. I so really, um, it was one of those moments where I had to kind of take a second when the movie ended and I had to think, would I have liked this better had I been 15 as opposed to 31 watching this film for the first time? And I think the answer is yes. I think had I been a younger teenager watching this movie, I probably would have laughed more at Jim Carrey. But it was one of those things where I'm like, I look back at a lot of the movies that he's made that I really love. And there's something about the dialogue. It's about the physical humor. It's about the way the jokes are told. 
And there was just something about this that I, I just did not buy into the over-the-top acting. It See, came can off, I, can I, yeah, can no. I, be, I interrupt you? To be honest, I, I'm glad you said that because I was like feeling similar way when I was during the film, during seeing it. Cause we both saw around the same time. Yeah. We were planning to see it together, but I know you made promises, but we, we saw uh, another movie was just as good um, or better. I think <laughs> at this point, but I, I know what you mean. There were some parts where I was like, Oh my God, I should be laughing hysterically, but I'm like just looking around. Yeah. It felt like a lot of and jokes I, didn't land. And I, I couldn't tell if it was like, did they not write him? the the right material or the way he's playing this character was it just way too over the top and it didn't work now i won't say i didn't like all of it there was definitely some yeah. moments that i chuckled but for typically going to see a jim carrey movie if i'm expecting to laugh i'm expecting to be laughing a lot and yeah i didn't considering uh, is a big portion of i the laughed movie. a lot more at uh sonic and other characters in the movie, but there was only a few times I laughed at Jim. And it was one of those things where I was just like, I know he's kind of getting almost like, you know, there's a point where you hit a point in your career and, you know, Jim's kind of been going down this whole Zen path and he's been kind of uh, very anti-Hollywood and there's been this whole kind of thing that he's been going on. But I wonder if there was a point where he was like, well, I still need to be making movies if I can. And if it's a right script and it's a right idea. So I think there was an element of him being like, this might be my next like comedy hit because it's a yeah. great character. Like it is a funny character and there's, there's room to grow because now he's going to be like even more crazy and more wanting to kill Sonic and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I think it was just too over the top and it didn't work for the movie. I think had it been a smarter take on it, and then it built to him losing it would have been funnier. A little bit more like, yeah, make him a little bit more because he can do everything. He can. I'm not, yeah. not trying to praise him uh, and, and put him on a pistol that doesn't belong there. But he could have made it a little bit more dark and sinister um, and more sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And, and let, like, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of people who can do the mad scientist evil guys like I'm better than you. Yeah. Um, and then as it went there, like, just like one of the like, Oh, hello, rural chum. Like some of these, like, I know what you're talking about. Like, I think the one part that I, I really laughed at the heart, just because I, I like that goofiness was when he's doing the dance scene. Yeah. The dance scene was funny. That, that was great. Especially when the guy, cause it just like classic gym is like, of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them. Like, like, and he has a um, funny look to the camera. Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. There was those moments and, and it was the small lines. Um, you know, these little lines here and there that, that I thought were, were clever. It just, I wanted more from, the, I guess I was, my anticipation was much higher than it should have been yeah. for him in that role. Because that was, that was the, the selling point of the movie was you're here to watch a Sonic movie and Jim Carrey is the lead villain. So yeah. it was like, oh, I'm here to see Jim Carrey movie. But anyway, not to, not to bash the whole thing, but it just, you know, it's one of my things where I look back and go, he's done much better work. And I think it just, it was a slight miss, but the, it didn't make money and more than likely we will get a sequel or two in a few years. Yeah. And it might be one of those ways that, you know, it wasn't a horrible film. We liked it, but that the sequel might surpass the original and mm-hmm. might like even more. So now we, we've kind of gone through some of our favorites, honorable mentions, uh, not so favorite, but um, I'm going to go backtrack here for a second and I'm just going to talk about how, so a young Jim Carrey out of Canada. He's doing stand-up comedy. He's 
on In Living Color for four years, and he's, you know, starting to make a name for himself. And he's he did have some film projects that are lesser known. It's actually funny. There's there's a few movies uh, prior to Ace Ventura that he's that he's in that they're all like really funny titles, and they almost come off like these these like B C list movies. But he he was making films, and it was like the dynamite was just set. It was just like once you just have that one hit, it's gonna be like bam, and then boom. 1994, Crazy Town, three huge movies, all in the same year. Yeah, she had Ace Ventura, Nature, uh, sorry, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask. Those that three was, all was in one year. Last year. Yeah. And um, it's crazy to look back and think of when you've seen those movies in your lifetime and never to relate, like, all those came out in the same year. So you could think, you know, Jim Carrey went from probably uh somewhat known to all of a sudden one of the biggest movie stars in um in hollywood and it's, it just took off from there and uh it's been fun to kind of look back and look at some of the the directors he's worked with um of course uh ace ventura led to ace ventura 2 surprisingly only like a year and a half later um it's funny to look at sequels today um, at that time, and for the majority of his career until Dumb and Dumber 2 came out, that was the only sequel he had ever done. I mean, yes, you can call Batman Forever a Batman sequel, if you will, but he only did the one film. But Ace Ventura, When Hatred Calls, was his only role that he had done a second time. Until. Until. I mean, years later. Yeah, be, it, years, yeah. years later. I mean, so it's crazy to think Ace Ventura was, you know, this great hit, and then... That came out in January of 1994, and then by November of 1995, we were getting the sequel. Now, of course, we look at movies today. When movies have a sequel come out a year later, it doesn't matter what part of that year. Typically, it's because that was a film that was made back-to-back and is a direct sequel. For example, the most recent example we had was Avengers. Yes. Infinity New War came out, and then we had to wait one year and then Endgame came out. So they filmed those back-to-back, but they knew they were going to release them one year apart, essentially, around, the, around that kind of area. So it's interesting to think, at what point in that 1994 year did you know the movie studio go, this movie was a great starting point of this character. He's making great movies. We got to get a sequel, and we got to do it fast, because that thing was ready by a year and a half later. And it was surprising because reading up on a lot of what happened, there was a lot of creative differences uh, with the directors and such. And the thing with Jim is he's so known for his improv that um, I could see that maybe in, in, in reading about even later in his career that he was really it was all about the scripts for him. He wasn't someone he was very smart about what he did. I mean, this is a guy going back to some of his history. He knew that he wanted to be famous at an early age. Uh-huh. And the fact that he dropped, he was a high school dropout. And also most of his life growing up, like his family was struggling. He was in poverty. And I know that he he wanted, he he had big aspirations, but he was very smart when it came with, to doing the roles. And to the fact that this made, that, that it got made that, that early after. And you're absolutely right. You look at any kind of big budget or an even comic, a lot of comedies like take forever. I mean, look at a lot of the, some of these franchises that have been around. And I mean, 
Ace Ventura, it's a franchise. As long as it has sequels, it could be a franchise. You could have another one. And it's so funny to think that a lot of the movies that he's made have been sequels made, but he was not attached to them. Mm-hmm. And I think he's probably one of the few actors that have had this thing. I mean, I think we would still love to see another Ace Ventura. I think is he... I think a lot of people are gunning for it. And I think the biggest question would just be if it was a strong enough script and idea. Um, yeah. And I think I think a reason that he would maybe be hesitant was... Um, 20 years after the original, he and Jeff Daniels were reunited with the Fairley brothers and they made Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah. Now, Dumb and Dumber 2 was hugely hyped because it was like, oh my gosh, the dream team is back. We have Jim Carrey again, Jeff Daniels. They were promoting the crap out of this movie. You got the Fairley brothers back. And I remember... I don't remember if I saw it in theaters if I rented it. I, I can't remember. I might have had to rent it. But I remember just kind of being like, eh. Um, it had some moments that did make me laugh. I still remember that scene when they were they're trying to talk to each other. On the and phone. The, and the train's going by behind yeah. them. And, the, of course, they can't hear a thing either one's saying. And they just keep talking because they're so stupid. There was some great bits in it. But in comparison to what... The original movie did it just kind of didn't take off the way that they were hoping it, it's one of those examples where you can't you know lightning doesn't strike twice right i mean twice. ace ventura when nature calls the second sequel and it's funny because i told you about this a little in fact that was the first one i saw i saw the second one before the first one but the great thing about the movies you don't have to see them yeah they don't they don't connect i i want to say i probably was in the same case I, I i can't remember which one i had probably seen first yeah but, and uh, each one has its specific time. things that are likable about them. I think because they're so different. They're very different. And there is something about there's something about the second one I think is slightly more quotable. There was still something about the first one that it still was in this time where they were really trying to be we're trying to do this kind of serious crime case. It's just the fact that our leading detective is this buffoon of a man. It was so perce- it was like trying to be more procedural. It still crime, felt was, like if, yeah. if if Jim Carrey in that movie had been kind of a more straight and narrow guy, if you take out the humor bits, it's it's just a crime case, you know, yeah. typical kind of crime cop, very nineties movie. Yeah, Ace Ventura: Two Nature Calls, the aspect of the crime was a little bit a little more ridiculous in terms of like the bat and everything and. And yeah. then they kind of got to be a little goofier. And that naturally came with the direction of Steve Odenkirk, who yes. he had helped, he's helped write for Ace Ventura and other movies that Jim has been a part of. He's, you know, a comedy writer. But he got to direct Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. I think seeing some of his other movies, there was a lot more of a kind of, we're going to be goofier and play more. And I think that was a lot of fun then for what that movie ended up being. For most people, the favorite of the two. I think in in terms, especially between us, like how many, if you quote stuff, it's more from that movie than the the other one. I mean, yeah, I I would love. I think I think with the first one, the more quotable ones, I think the top two lines, people's I'm just two lines. Um, Of course, it's catchphrases, but the first one is do not go in there. there. That's still like that's that's still no matter it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a county fan, people will quote that all the time. When you go out of a bathroom, people mm-hmm. like, or, um, yummy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like those are both like still, but I, but, yeah, I do think Ace Ventura too had overall 
more quotable moments. But as a pair, they're they're just great pieces of comedy. And if he could pull it off and do something that was clever, especially, I mean, like, for example, for those who have watched it, those who haven't, we've just had this whole crazy Tiger King craze going on. And we're going to get to that in a future episode of the Penitential Podcast. But, you know, there are these things that are still coming out that are either documentaries or whatever of how, how wildlife and zoos are handled and how conservation is handled. So... It's still a hot topic today, especially as things have changed in terms of how animals are taken care of, how animals are still hunted, and how how we eat animals and all that stuff. So they could still do something that would be kind of a clever new take to have to have a pet detective come back to like solve the case. And I think with a lot of new stuff today, especially with technology and phones and the internet, there's just stuff that wasn't really hugely involved in those movies i think they could do an updated take um but i know a big thing is it have to be a really smart script for him to want to do it and i can get that it's it's you'd be putting a lot on the cards you know to bring what is notably probably his best known role and maybe if you mess it up, it just is like, what was the point of it? You know? Yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather just leave it alone unless so, you had something. I would even so just have something. I'm clever. curious to know what he's gonna, you know, what he's gonna do. But to me, it kind of, you know, right now, uh, I haven't watched it. I have a huge desire to watch it. But right now, uh, he's been doing a show called Kidding. I have watched Showtime. It. So if you wanna, if you wanna do a brief talk about uh, what that's been about. Yeah, so I, I myself, I watched a couple episodes. I haven't watched it all, but it's been going on for, I think it's in its third season now. So the show's called Kidding, as you said. It's on Showtime. And Jim Carrey, this is his first show or, or TV show, really, besides Living Color. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, done, you know, he's this, done guest spots on things, but yes, first, uh, like, main, is, he's a main actor on a TV which show. Is, which is, which that's why if you, a lot of people, you haven't seen Jim Carrey at mainstream. He's still busy, but this is his big thing. It's um, it's kind of a very interesting, maybe a darker, not darker in a, a scary way, but a little bit more of, um, I guess, yeah, a darker take of a Mr. Rogers kind of story where yeah. Jim Carrey plays this character and he is like a Mr. Rogers like host who has puppets and such. He's a kid's television host. And he, his character's kind of going through, he's gone through divorce and he's going through all this stuff. So he's coming a little disillusioned and he's trying to, um, you know, deal with his life and how he wants to present the show and everything. It's got a great casting, but it's definitely, it's, there's humor, but it's a little bit more of a darker take uh, for him and a little more serious role. But I like it because it is so different, but it's not. It's very poignant, especially with um, the Mr. Rogers film that just came out recently with Tom Hanks in the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, this definitely it resonates because it is kind of timeless, but also timely mm-hmm. on the show. So, yeah, I would rec- I would recommend it and I, I want to watch the rest of it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. I like it. Yeah, but he's got that going on. And, he, yeah, like we said, we just, he just had Sonic. So curious to see where he will you know, what he'll do from here. He, um, it's kind of been, you can kind of see this pattern of a lot of Hollywood actors that have reached a certain time in their life. They don't need to work as much as they once did. 
I think when he was younger, there was a desire to be working as much as possible and doing as and many as possible, you know? And that's a hard concept for us, I think. Sometimes we, we as um, non, like celebrities, we, uh, you know, when we're fans, we always, I think, misinterpret when you don't see a celebrity like in the main spot, like making these big bakas off his hits. It doesn't mean that they've lost their way. They're not, but no. they're doing smaller projects to doing this. And um, he has still remained... Uh, so successful in what he's done, but I would like to see him get back out. I'd like to see him in more films, whether that be doesn't have to necessarily be comedy. I would love to see him in maybe more serious roles. Yeah, I mean, clearly him. watching him promote Sonic, um, being one of the bigger actors for the film, um, him and James Marsden uh, were the two that I saw a lot of. Um, he was just as fun and playful and goofy in oh. every interview he did. So you can tell that, that the person that has always been Jim Carrey has never left. No. He's just also, he's gone through some hardships in his life as well. You know, um, he's had a lot of personal stuff go on. And I think he's kind of seen this kind of side of Hollywood that he doesn't really respect. And he's very outspoken politically. Um, against our current government and other things. And I think there's just times where he has to kind of, you know, there's only so much you can do as a person when you're idolized as this kind of comedy actor God and still be himself and be true to himself and take time for himself. And so it's great that he's still doing these kind of movies and doing these projects. And I think he's going to continue to do that. But the great thing is we always have all these movies to look back on to and so many of them are uh, constantly rewatchable. I mean, his movies are on TV all the time. You can find them on streaming um, or you can rent them. Uh, and there's just so many that are, they're so, they're, they are timeless. Even if the film is set in a certain time period with certain technology or certain, you know, uh, yeah. history points or it's just, there's something about his movies that are, uh, you can watch over and over again. And during this time, during this quarantine time, there is this essence of having to fill time. Yeah, It's great people are still able to work from home or work on projects or trying to be creative or just trying to, but if you just need to unwind and you need a little bit of humor to your day, you know, you need something to laugh at. I mean, you can't go wrong with some of these classic Jim Carrey movies. No, not at all. And I just, I knew it and on a, other note what you're talking about stuff he's gone through i want to say some of the stuff that i really read that really resonated with me the fact is a lot of the films he's done he took took pay cuts on purpose um because he wanted to be given a chance to do something different he never thought he was bigger than um you know big as people made him out to be he was always i think constantly been that humble goofy guy just wants to make people laugh and um i think that's the most beautiful thing there that uh we still have him here. He's just a national treasure. And uh, yeah, I think use this time wisely to unwind and take Jim Carrey for who he is. I think the slapstick of the 90s might be, for some people with the humor we have today, might be a little different and jarring. But I think you gotta you got to go back and watch some of these classics if you haven't. Or go back and give them a listen um, because it's just so great um, just to crack up and just to be an idiot for a while with Jim Carrey. And just, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was um, that was our according to Jim. Oh, to Jim, that was our uh, a joy of Jim Carrey. 
and I'm sure we will talk about him again in the future because he's going to come up. Yeah. He's timeless, and we do love to quote him. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.